0: Welcome to Racket Fuel, where we launch into great conversations and share powerful tools to help you become a stronger rackets leader. Your hosts are Kim Bastable, a former All-American tennis player and now the Director of Tennis Management at the University of Florida, and Simon Gale, the USTA National Campus Director of Racket Sports. Today on Racket Fuel, we'll listen to respected head pro Rita Gladstone as she shares about the challenges and joys of working in the rackets industry as a female and a mom since only 20 percent of the professionals in racket sports are female the questions are why and what can be done about it rita helps us highlight how females can balance a successful career and being a mother and we discuss how leaders can positively inspire and manage females now here's kim and simon
1: welcome to racket fuel i'm kim bastable here with my co-host simon gale how are you doing today simon
2: Kim, I'm very excited today because uh, A, we're talking with Rita Gladstone, but B, we are starting to look to promote uh, successful female stories in our industry. And I love that we're going to go down this road with more to come. So looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, this is definitely an important podcast. It's one of the goals of this podcast is always to highlight success stories in leadership. We want to focus today on successful leading females and inspire this generation and the next generation for uh, their career in rackets. And we have Rita Gladstone today, who's just a leader in the particular junior tennis delivery, part of our industry, sought after presenter and subject matter expert in tenant under tennis and child development. And she leads the program there at the national campus with Simon. Rita, we are super glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.
2: So Rita, it's, it's obviously great to have you on the podcast. We've worked together for a while and known each other a lot longer. So it's been exciting to work with you. But we're hoping that this episode sheds light and inspires women to want to join our industry. So as a start, could you give us a bit of perspective on why women should consider the profession and the career of, of tennis?
3: Sure. It, it, I really My first initial response to that question is that our industry really needs us. We have a sport that's growing and starting to thrive and we have an equal number of boys and girls, men and women playing, but we are definitely disproportionately, I think our deliverers tend to be uh, male coaches. And so, so I just would love to see our industry just become a little bit more equally balanced with, with our players and our coaches. And I can't emphasize enough as a, a reason for, for joining the profession as a female is is the impact you can have. Our sport is unique; it has so many opportunities for for young girls to compete at all levels through juniors, high school, and college. And it's just really important, I think, for that population to to see coaches that look like them and that and that have gone through their path. So that's that's another great reason. And um, I think an industry that has where you can make an impact, um, is, is a great motivation and a, and a great inspiration, I think, to join, um, pursue that pathway. And then, then finally, you know, for me, a, a big one is, is, is the flexibility that it offered me and uh, a career that really evolved over my life over the last, you know, 20, 25 years that I was able to have the flexibility to stay engaged with the sport, you know, starting out when my kids were very young through their school age years. And now I'm an empty nester. But throughout the way, I was able to kind of stay engaged with the sport and contribute. And, you know, I was fortunate along the way to have, you know, opportunities and, and support at each phase.
1: That, that's good, Rita. I think that's a great start to this conversation. The narrative around the tennis industry and in many other industries, maybe as well, but for t- particularly ours is that, you know, it's difficult for a woman to be successful. And I know I particularly have a problem with that situation, narrative, perception, however you want to look at it. You've mentioned the positive work aspect of flexibility. And interestingly, how you were attracted to the industry after you had children versus driven away because you had children. I think we think young people, once their life becomes family, females, once their life becomes rounded about a family, they drop out. But yours is the opposite. So I'd love to, maybe you can give us the trajectory of your path and and how it went to, you know, leading to your successful career.
3: When I um, graduated college and after, you know, a brief playing career, I really made a concerted effort to kind of pursue some interests outside tennis. And I was a broadcast journalism major and spent about five years, you know, living in New York and kind of pursuing that career. And with the But after the birth of my my son and and moving to Florida, I made the choice that to to not work full time. That's what that I felt worked best for myself and my family at at the time. But then looking at what I could do to to bring in some extra income and and also get out of the house, you know, tennis was a natural choice. It was something I I loved, I had a passion for, and I had a real comfort level. So I connected with a former coach and you know it started with a couple of afternoons a week teaching at his facility. And then, you know, over the years there were periods where I would scale up how much I worked and and scale it back, you know, when when my daughter was born. But throughout all of those phases, I was able to stay engaged in the industry. And I'd say my you know, my husband and I really truly balanced our family life and work work life. We had, I know take your child to work day it was popular back a number of years ago, but I would say we had take your child to, to work weeks and months. So we were able to integrate, you know, our family life and work life together, which which was, you know, really a highlight. And kind of my my teaching career almost kind of evolved along with with my kids as they grew up where guy focused on entry level and programs when they were younger and then as they got older I you know I shifted into coaching and managing junior team tennis I coached their high school teams so it really provided a pathway for me to continue you know my trajectory in the in the industry and also stay involved with my kids involvement in the sport you know when the campus opened in 2016 you know I was really ready I had been fortunate to part of the USTA national training faculty, which, which was an incredible experience and, and really helped me um, develop professionally. So when the campus opened and the position became available here, I felt, you know, I was ready and at a time in my life when, when I could really dive in full time.
1: That's great. You know, I, I heard former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice quoted as saying that she was taught as a child that she would need to be, quote, twice as good as men to be successful. But she was actually inspired by that versus threatened and we saw where she ended up. But how do you respond to that idea? Have you felt it was necessary to be twice as good? Well,
3: first of all, I love the narrative that, you know, seeing that as as a challenge and an opportunity rather than a threat or, or a liability or something that would maybe steer coaches, you know, female coaches away from our industry. I don't know if I would ever say I felt the pressure to be twice as good. But there were numerous times over the past 15 years when I was presenting at workshops, district, regional, pro meetings, and it would be myself and there'd be one or two other female coaches in the audience and the rest were male coaches. The ratio would be one to two females per 30 coaches. So at that point, did I feel a need to be twice as good? I don't know if I felt that, but I definitely felt a pressure to kind of represent you know, females in our industry. So that was definitely a motivator. And luckily, I've had, you know, fantastic female role models in various roles throughout my life where, you know, I kind of felt a motivation. I want to be as good as they are. Maybe not necessarily feeling a pressure to be twice as good, but definitely feeling a responsibility to, to represent female coaches and let them know that I'm capable and, and, and can do the job.
1: So, Simon, you are Rita's leader on the campus, and you have many other females working on the campus both in leadership positions and as staff pros. And I guess my question to you is, do you lead um, and manage your men and women employees differently?
2: That's a great question. And I think, I think if I look at being in a leadership role, probably the last 25 years of my career, you know, I think my ability to lead people has evolved from putting people not in boxes, but putting them in a situation where when I hire you, I need you to do this now I want to hire you, but I want to use you this way, or let's work out what you're best at and let's make sure you're thriving for us versus I'm putting you into a space that maybe is not your best suit, but I need you to do it just because I need hours filled. So how I utilize people has evolved. And I think as a manager, you're looking at all your staff, not just females, how do you How do you shift your focus from maybe what they can't do or what you need them to have to do to finding out where they best fit and what they bring to the table that will make your program stronger? And that way, I might have somebody who only works 20 hours a week in two spaces instead of 20 hours a week in four spaces, and maybe they're not strong in two of those spaces. So how do I best fill the roles I need? And it's not male versus female. I think that's really important as a manager to make sure you're looking at just using people the best way possible, not separating them by, by, by gender.
3: Yeah, and I think that'd be my experience. I think that the positive experience of being being managed by, by male and female alike as, as a manager or, or a director that really recognized where my strengths were and, and helped me hone those and develop those. And I think with 10 and under and, and some of the opportunities I had to develop my skills in that area, I think that was recognized. And then I had the resources and the the opportunity to to hone those skills and become you know really really confident in delivering that area.
1: Yeah, I would say Rita, I'd like to follow up on that in sense of you know you're now, if I understand it correctly, running the Nemours Family Zone there at the campus. So you run you know tenant under tennis, and so you manage people, and you have to do the same thing. You have to get people that love what they're doing. And sometimes people don't love that 10 and under role. They prefer to be out on the high performance courts or, or with others. So, um, you know, it's, an, it's, it's just a leadership challenge for everyone um, is to train the people, you know, you're not going to like doing something you're not that familiar with. So, if you're not very good at running 10 and under tennis, you might be afraid of it. So I I guess I would ask you both is like, there's some aspect of helping to identify what people are good at and making sure they get in the seat on the bus where they feel confident can do well, but also to help them learn new things. So maybe there's a seat on the bus they don't even know they can do well, but they need that leadership guidance to learn it. You may or may not have experienced that, Rita. I don't know. How does that comment affect you?
2: Let me jump in for a sec, because I'm going to pose the same sort of question to Rita just based on our experiences is... I think one of the things Rita does really well is is to be able to take during the onboarding process, identify where people's strengths are in her space, and then team teach, mentor and develop them one on one during classes, as well as running regular training sessions for your team and putting them in an environment to succeed and focus on what they're good at and then develop their weaknesses and bring somebody along for the ride versus maybe throwing them in the deep end and seeing if they can swim. So, I mean, how, how do you look at that? You, you're the one doing it out there each day.
3: Yeah, and exactly. And I think with, within the 10 and under space, I, I think it's personally the best space for you to really get your teaching chops, so to speak, because it's it's you have to be fully, fully engaged. There's no shortcuts there. Yeah, and I think it's, it's important, yes, to really identify where people's comfort level is, but I also think it's important as a leader and developing coaches that we've got to put them in places where they're uncomfortable because in any aspect, that's where real learning happens. We're also, you know, very aware of not pigeonholing our coaches as well. And this is something that, you know, over the years with a couple of colleagues, you know, that are my generation, you know, looking back to to early in their careers, where maybe as a female coach, they were more pigeonholed into working with the youngest kids, because, well, you're a female, and you naturally are going to be great with our four-year-old, so you're there. And that they very well need, but but don't let that also blind you to the opportunities of contributions they could have elsewhere. So I think, uh, you know, answer to answer your question, I think it's super important that we enhance and, I, and, and recognize where they're strong, but also take the time and the effort where they aren't necessarily as strong that we work to develop them, because it's going to come back and benefit your program tenfold in the long run.
2: Great answer. Thank you. Because it all comes back to developing people, right? As leaders, that's our our job is to develop people. So I think all of you who are head pros here and anyone who leads a team, these are assessments of your team that are vital in order to have a vision for where we're headed and who's going to, as Kim said, get the right people on the right seats on the bus. So I'm just going to shift the focus a little bit to or come back to why our industry is great and the opportunities that maybe we don't sell as an industry for females to get into it. And could you present the argument that today it's different than it was in the past? Now, I remember when, when I was born, my dad wasn't allowed in the delivery room, and mum gave birth, and then dad came in after you were born. And fast forward 30, 40 years, dad's right there by your side. And we live in a different world where, where more and more women are focusing on a career path and pursuing a career. And putting off having kids till, till a little later in life, more and more families need two incomes to make it work. So given those the evolution of how the family dynamic works, isn't it potentially a great industry to move into considering that you could have an established career break for, for raising a family and then actually potentially come back to it? You know, I think there's a skill set there that can carry you on through life and, and you're an example of it. Do you think we're selling why it's great versus focusing on maybe why or what the roadblocks are for females?
3: I think we probably somehow default to that to find where it could break down or could could go wrong, but you make a, a great point in that we could have, you know, a coach that for 8 to 10 years could be working in the industry full time and then we all know generally as a general trend we women are having having children a little bit later maybe in their late 20s, early 30s, that they've got all of those years of, of development behind them. So when they come back, they can pick up right where they left off. And I think that's unique to our industry. I think it, if, if you're working in, in, in another field, having the flexibility to be able to jump back in for, for 10 hours a week, I and mean, then really, really make a contribution. Every group, every player you're you're in front of and engage with If it's, you you can make a huge impact in 10 or 15 hours a week. And I think sometimes we don't realize what we, what we can do. So I think for that reason, it does, it, it offers so many opportunities for females and and they're only going to continue to be more and more because we know our coaching population is aging, especially kind of in that director position. So the opportunities are just going to continue to unfold.
1: That's great, Rita. I I was doing a little research on this for this call and I was realizing, you know, some of the studies have been done between gender and self-confidence. And one of the things that the researchers have found is that the role model, seeing yourself in the task is very important for females particularly to feel strong. And so, you know, We don't have to be the first, you know, black female secretary of state like Condoleezza Rice was. She couldn't see anybody else of of her color and gender in that role. But fortunately, we do have some women in our role. How are role models important to you? What did you see? And how do you see yourself as a role model? Are you many people reaching out to speak to you? Are you talking to females particularly? How's that role model piece worked and is working in your life? You know, it's a highlight. Of my role at the
3: campus and really being able to work with young coaches of which we have a number of them here, both female and male. It's a, it's a highlight and it's also, it's a responsibility as well. So, and I, and I take it seriously that we want to engage them and keep them, keep them in the industry. I see it and, you know, with Simon's leadership as a really key part of my position here. And I think for, Attracting and, and, and retaining those those female coaches is, is an attitude that we're going to invest in you. There's a pathway for your success, and you know they'll feel that, and then it comes back and contributions to your program, your your club, you know, tenfold. And I think with the racket sports industry itself kind of exploding, there are just so many other areas. Besides just tennis now and, and, and pickleball and Padel, where coaching's gonna be needed and, and embraced. For a young female coach, if you are talented, you have the fantastic opportunities in front of you.
2: And Kim, I, I really like what Rita said about having a sense of responsibility, that pay it forward mentality. I think when you've got 20, 30 years experience in something, there's a responsibility to make sure you develop the people who are gonna replace you at some point. And one of the things we hear often is, is you know, surround yourself with people who are better at something than you are, and and they make you look good. So I'm proud of the fact that here we have three of our five head pros are female, and it's critical because me trying to inspire females and attracting them to the industry is completely different than Rita. And I think that the ability for them to see a pathway and to hear her story and then be inspired on the court, the chances of them staying in the industry are so much higher. So I really value what she and the other females bring to the table, because we wouldn't be able to achieve it as a group of males if we're all male leaders. So it's important to me to have these people in these roles.
1: Well, I I would like to say in that point, I mean, realistically, I think we've discussed this before, that is so important to have females in the roles. And I don't wanna sugarcoat it and act like there aren't some challenges to being a female in the role. But as we discussed, there's challenges to being a male in the role. There's challenges men want to go home and watch a soccer game or be home for dinner. And the argument was always that, you know, women maybe couldn't teach the hours that were necessary, the after-school hours, because they were in charge of the kids or something. But I just think it's great to point out that as an industry, you know, work challenges are work challenges and they're not just gender-specific. So, I haven't put this to you, Rita, but I'm going to ask you, what were a couple of those challenges that maybe you had in your, in your role that you had to, you know, kind of figure out?
3: Yeah, balancing the, the time.
1: And, and I, I remember
3: distinctly, there was, there was something, an opportunity that came up to, and it was just a, it was just a volunteer assistant coach position at a local university, which I would have jumped at. And at that point, the age of my kids it was something I just said, you know, I I can't do that. So there's definitely, you had to make some decisions on what you could and couldn't accept. And so there definitely were things that I had to, to pass on, but it was never an all or nothing type of job. It wasn't, I always, I always felt that, that I could contribute in some ways, but there were definitely those times. And again, when the, when the kids were younger or my husband's, you know, I talked about the, the work life family balance, which could, probably be a separate podcast, but you just kind of have to work with your partner or spouse and how you, each of you have to each kind of fill in the gaps. But I would definitely say the 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 hours and what's needed to deliver tennis in general, a lot of those conflict with parenting hours. And, you know, for me, you know, I was fortunate. My kids really like tennis. They were around it a lot. And I was able to blend my coaching with their learning and their experiences. So I think every situation, you know every person's situation is different, but having to say no to one opportunity, there's another one. And I think in an industry, I truly feel that if you're determined and and talented and have the skill set that you can find a place where you can contribute.
2: And so I would start to present the argument and and I try and instill this in any female pro, especially a young one who's considering the career path is if you can develop your skills and you're mentored well and you you have aspirations to keep growing, I think you could be gold in our industry. I think there's so many opportunities, and people are used to having male role role models or male leaders, but you think of your average female beginner, young or, or older, to have a female to connect with versus a male teacher. I think women's teams, having a female teacher, there's so many things that I think you can bring to the table that maybe you just need to be reminded of, and you need to be shown how to do them well but then I think your, your pathway can accelerate so quick because I think more and more facilities will be looking for female leads and I think they bring a lot to the table. So I think the ability for young females to see that pathway and have people like yourself and Kim and so on say, look, there is an opportunity, stick with it, but you need to be good in these areas and, and focus on developing. So I think you, you just got to manage them like we talked about earlier, you've got to manage them differently not differently than males, but just manage each person differently and develop their skills. And I think there's massive opportunities given the state of our industry and the, the people that will be moving out of leadership roles over the next 10 years. So what do you guys think about that? Any thoughts on, you know, am I right, wrong with that thought process?
1: I would say you're dead right. I mean, I think that's exactly where we are. Young people uh, that are female and have experience, they can write their own ticket. They can select, whatever club, whatever part of the country they want to go to. I think it's interesting. Another part of the research says that one of the differences between the men and the women is women prefer more clarity and need more clarity than men do. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing is I think if a girl needs more clarity or female and they don't get it from their manager, they're not sure what the definition of success is. They're they're just not sure what the boss wants in terms of a, a teaching style, or um, you know whether they want fun in the clinic or they want strict instruction in the clinic. I mean, that leaves a young female frustrated and potentially are, are going to leave the industry. I'm not sure that's going to be different in the next industry they go to. They like clarity. so that's something I would say female managers should know the difference between men and women. Women need some clearer definition to the way they're given feedback. Specific is better than general. So no, but I think women are. They need to be in this job, as Farita said, at the very, very outset. We need women role models because we have half of our players are, are women. Rita, what other thoughts do you have or even suggestions of how we can get more women, young women into this career? Presenting all of these positives, the impact being, you know, responsibility,
3: the impact that they can have and the potential job opportunities and leadership opportunities. And I know that especially the young tennis girls are coming. Cocoa golf, you know, I think we're looking at a potential boom in young girls entering our sport. I, I see it on a daily basis and I, I've heard it from it's interesting like from a lot of dads where they specifically choose tennis for their daughter as a sport that they want her to do. And uh and I think they really, you know, embrace and, and want female role models for them. So I think it's it's a it's a wonderful time. And as Simon said, Directors all over the country will jump at the chance if they have a talented, solid female coach.
1: So, I guess the answer is if a young female starts out in our profession and then hits a leadership, you know, where people aren't willing to work around maybe their schedule, like you said, Simon, maybe for three months they have to take maternity leave. But if, and if you have a leader who won't work with your schedule in order to get the benefits of having a female on staff, then that female needs to find a a new opportunity. You said you would consider that well worth working around.
2: Yeah, we've done it here multiple times and and I've done it at every club. It's what stage of life are you in? Where are you at with your kids and your family? When can we use you? And how do we make the best use of you? Because at some point, they're gonna be able to give you a little bit more too, or a little bit less, but your loyalty to them and willingness to work with them around their family setup will come back to pay itself tenfold over time Because you've created an environment that's conducive to them being successful.
1: Well, we've talked a lot about this subject today in terms of the challenge, but also the opportunity. We know that women are welcome in this. We have only 20% of our current certified teaching staff is is female, but that number, we're working hard in the industry. This is another effort through Racket Fuel to to work hard to get the, the word out. So we will continue to do that. As I say, let's find some solutions and not excuses for why, you know, women may be uh, not have a role. They should have a role. They should have a role, whether it's 40 hours a week or for a time less than that. There's always a possibility in in rackets to make it happen to the benefit of everyone. We appreciate your time, Rita. Do you have any final thoughts of just kind of how you can inspire young people? Just get yourself out there. And if, if, if it's starting small,
3: that's, that's fine. But just, you know, get, get yourself out there. And, and, and I'm a firm believer in putting yourself in a position where, where you're not comfortable. I think that puts you in a position to learn the greatest. So that would be my kind of final words for the female coaches and, and coaches in general, not just female coaches, is just jump in and, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's a great way to learn.
1: I love that. That's a perfect way to end it. And we all do need to be a bit uncomfortable at times. It makes us better. So we appreciate your time. We're done with today and we really would look forward to seeing you again here on Racket Fuel.
0: That's all for today, but we're not out of fuel. You can find more information and resources in our show notes and by visiting racketfuelpodcast.com. If you liked what you just heard, please subscribe and also leave a review, which helps other people join the mission to become stronger Rackets leaders.
3: This podcast is a production of
2: Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. The Institute for Coaching Excellence offers various online certificate programs and degrees in partnership with the Department of Sport Management.
1: Learn more today at coaching.hhp.ufl.edu.